0: Welcome to the Mets Pod. On today's show, we continue our off-season coverage as the hot stove heats up around baseball, and that's not where it'll stop. Joe and I will continue with some predictions for free agents, not only from the Mets, but all around baseball. And as always, we will close out the show answering your mailbag questions. So a reminder to subscribe to the Mets Pod at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mets Pod. I'm your host, Connor Rogers, joined, as always, by my co-host, Joe DeMeo. And the offseason rolls on. Not a ton of big action happening yet, but some visits, Joe. We have visits around baseball as the slow trickle rolls on in free agency. So let's bring in here. How you doing? How you feeling? As we wait for some potential big Mets news down the line.
1: I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving. Can't wait for that. Cowboys football. Taking down the giants, I hope, and uh, that <laughs> sure our right... listeners love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then right after that, uh, I think that's when you're going to start seeing some action. Um, I would have the expectation that you know there's still going to be there's always players that last into the new year, but I think between Thanksgiving and call it the middle of December, I think that's going to be a a big flurry of activity for. Not just the Mets, but throughout baseball. And, you know, that's obviously what fans want in the hot stove season. Just stuff to talk about.
0: You made a good point to me off the air that it feels longer than it's been the offseason because, unfortunately, the Mets playoff chase and race ended much earlier than we had anticipated. Free agency has only been going on for, you know, give or take two full weeks here Like you said, and like we pointed at the top, there's visits. Kodai Senga has visited the Mets. We have seen a video. Aaron Judge maybe going home for Thanksgiving, but maybe can also handle some business out there as he expects to visit with the San Francisco Giants that have been connected to him for a long time. And we are going to get into some of our own predictions. That's the time of year it is. You're seeing all the big names connected. We know Justin Verlander, I believe, had a Zoom Call with the Mets. So there's been some contact there. So we will do all the big predictions, but let's start in house, Joe. Let's start with Brandon Nimmo, who maybe it's some PR, maybe it's reality, feels like one of the most wanted men in free agency right now. Feels like Nimmo has been connected to at least five teams, including the New York Mets. We knew they would do everything they can to stay in touch to see what his market is like. Let me ask you two things, Joe. One, at the end of the day, do you think Nimmo comes back to the Mets? And two, whether it's the Mets or whether it's somebody else, what does that contract look like for him? Do you think this thing can get to six years for a 30-year-old 30, 30 center fielder?
1: I definitely think it could get to six years. I think he's going to get a bevy of five-year offers. Uh, I, I actually do believe that it's a, it's a bit of a mixed bag, whether it's, you know, just posturing with the media and actual interest. I think it's a bit of both. Uh, Nimo is clearly the top center fielder on the market. That's not a debate. Even after Cody Bellinger got non-tendered, Nimmo is still uh, far and away the the biggest center fielder. And, you know, I think if if you're talking about potentially $140, $150 million, that is, you know, certainly a rumored price. I think at that point, you're probably looking at that six-year range. Um I don't know that he's going to be, you know, getting five years and, you know, more than George Springer money, but it's going to be a really big bag. And if, you know, you told me I had to guess now, I would say Nimmo does not end up back with the Mets. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how they pivot from there. I think he's going to end up pricing himself out of the Mets range. And, you know, if I have to predict where Brandon Nimmo will end up, I'd say we go to the AL East. I think the with you. Yan- Yankees have shown some interest. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the Blue Jays have shown some interest, and I think that's what everyone's talking about. A sneaky team, I think, to watch is the Baltimore Orioles. Their their GM has come out and said that this is going to be an offseason where you see them get a little more aggressive, um, where they because the young players are coming through, right? Gunnar Henderson made his debut. Adley Rutschman was up for rookie of the year. The young players are getting close. So now's the time where you're going to see them spend out some money. It wouldn't shock me if Brandon Nimmo was someone on their radar. Uh So Blue Jays, Orioles, those are kind of the two non-Mets teams that I'm watching most right now.
0: I, I'm with you. I do not think he ends up back with the Mets, which maybe some are surprised to hear that on this show. I know we outlined for a long time that, you know nimo was maybe the guy most likely to return after diaz diaz got done quickly i think there was urgency from the diaz side and the market was a little bit more defined right joe diaz got the record setting reliever contract the mets were more than happy to give that out with the kind of player diaz is not to mention the added bonus of him possessing a you know rare niche in baseball how marketable He is that that really doesn't matter. I'm not I know how what matters is the how effective he is closing out baseball games. But there is a bonus to signing Diaz where some of that money comes back just off his markability. But when you look at Nimmo, I think why things have changed is one, he does have a big market and the trickle effect of that is the term. I think the Mets really had no issue seeing where this A.A.V. was going to go. If Nimmo got 20 million dollars a year, I'm sure the Mets would look at that and go, yeah, he's he's worth that to us what he does at the top of our lineup, how he sets the table for everybody else, and the adjustments he's made in center field. Where it gets messy when you have more teams involved increasing the length of this deal is Nimo is a guy that your analytics have to project how many games he's going to play, or more importantly, how many games he's going to miss as a guy that is going to be 30 years old in March, so he will be 30 for this baseball season has missed time. It feels like almost every year until the contract year, right? That's really what it came down to for Nimmo is that he's always missed time. Is that going to get better as he gets older? The answer is pretty much 100% no. And you can live with injuries. You can live with having a guy that's sideline time to time if his value still meets what you need. But I think for the Mets at this point, and the, you know, obviously the secondary conversation we're going to have to have is who the hell is playing center field if Brandon Nimmo leaves? And they're going to get, have to get really, really creative for that. So do I think the Mets will be in constant contact? Yes. Do I think there's a line, they, a hard line they are going to draw in the sand, which they are also going to do for Jacob deGrom? Absolutely. And I think we've seen before the Toronto Blue Jays, when they have the need, especially after trading uh to Oscar Hernandez, it just comes down to it that they will do whatever it takes, even if they have to cross a line. And I actually applaud the Mets if they do ultimately sit here and go, hey, we just we cannot have so many different players making over $20 million when they're all 35, 36 at some point. This is a guy that we're going to have to make a hard decision on ultimately.
1: While Steve Cohen has oodles of money and the Mets payroll limitless money. Is- yeah, pretty much. Especially uh in the confines of baseball ownership he does. Uh but there also is the business side of it where like you said, you don't want to foolishly spend money. And he's used the, uh, Cohen has used the phrase don't want to spend like a drunken sailor and I think people have kind of poked fun at that or whatever, but the reality is that matters. And I think you're seeing them prefer the shorter term higher AAV deals, because that just gives you flexibility as you continue forward. I mean, if you're going to keep dumping five-year, six-year, longer-term deals into this payroll, it limits your ability to aggressively pursue free agents on a year-to-year basis. You want Shohei Otani next year? Okay, then you have to be careful about how much money is spread out over the long-term. You want Juan Soto the year after that? You have to be careful. So it's, it's a a tough line to bounce because the Mets certainly want to win in 2023, but Billy Epler has said it. And I agree with this concept. They're not going to make moves that drastically impact the negatively impact the ability to win down the road just to win one year. They want to win continuously.
0: Absolutely. And I think if Nimmo ultimately does leave, Lot. We've already heard Epler say that if Marte plays center, then Marte plays center. I still would be surprised by that option because Marte is a guy that's vocal, that he likes to have a routine. If you're going to bat him second once, he wants to be batting second all year. If he's going to be playing right field, he wants to play right field all year. And maybe that's a bigger conversation they'll have to have with Marte because I don't see Marte playing 140 plus games in center field next year. I just, that's not how Buck treated the veteran last year, even in the corner outfield spot. But you're going to have to get creative. Do you go? Do you make a call? The high end one, right, is do you make a call for a player like Brian Reynolds? That's a high end one. It's going to cost a lot. Maybe that's the unlikely option. Or do you sign a more defensive minded center fielder and you give the offense a significant boost elsewhere? Do you go out and sign a Jose Abreu to DH and explore the option of a Trey Turner? I know th- these are big, crazy ideas, but. Joe, I'm just trying to show the shift of balance where you can play a center fielder that is a really, really good defender and might be hitting eighth every day. You can still be a contending team doing that. You just have to increase your offense in other areas. And the Mets do have openings in other areas. It's
1: Cody Bellinger. That's the name that kind of stands out to me. He's struggled. He's had the shoulder injury. But to your point, fantastic defensive player in center field cannon of an arm and i mean he's only a couple of years removed from being an mvp so this is still a young enough player he wants a one-year deal he wants a one-year prove it deal i think you at least make the call get access to his medical records see where the shoulder is at for all we know it's just the shoulder has held him back and it's going to be healthy in 2023 and you could kind of project out a uh improvement from bellinger but if it's not him And it's not Marte in center field. You have to be investigating the trade market. Like you said, Brian Reynolds, probably a high end option. One team to watch is the Arizona diamondbacks. I read this just the other day. They have a bit of a glut of outfielders, especially after trading for uh, Kyle Lewis from the Mariners. And there's rumors that a couple younger outfielders, Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy could potentially be had in trade who are young under control, um, good athletes that can pl- that can truly play center field and it's tough to say what the the cost would be on those guys but overall they need to find a way to improve this offense on the power side specifically so it's a tough balance right if you want to go defense in center field and maybe it doesn't bring that power offensive thump with it is just adding a better dh enough of an offensive addition uh, so that's that's a tough uh line to toe there. And, you know, Brandon Nemo is obviously the the big uh, domino that needs to fall before they can truly move on to other options.
0: I think the good thing that scares me the least or you, you look at the the thought of the loss of Nemo is that I don't worry about the top of the lineup without him. And people might think I'm insane because I know there's the, the thought outside the box score is that he works counts unlike other guys. But the Mets have a lot of guys, Joe, that can effectively bat leadoff. I know Jeff McNeil is a little bit more of an aggressive hitter. Jeff McNeil had a much higher on-base percentage and batting average than Brandon Nimmo last year. Starling Marte can lead off. Canna is supposed to be the poor man's Nimmo at the plate in terms of pitches he sees and gets on base. He can bat leadoff if you need to. I... I think it's been a little overstated, the loss of Nimmo at the top of the lineup. The bigger thing is how hard it is to find an adequate center fielder, both defensively and offensively, that fine balance.
1: Yes, finding the the balance is important, but they need to improve the offensive output here. So if Nimmo goes, you need to find a way to overall increase your
0: runs created while not drastically impacting your runs allowed. All right, let's move over to the rotation because the Mets rotation is a hot topic in free agency. DeGrom, of course, we knew that. But you also have Chris Bassett. You have Taiwan Walker. There are a lot of names out there from the Mets that are going to test this market. And there's a lot of names out there testing the market that are going to meet with the Mets. We've already heard Senga. We've already heard Verlander. Rodon seems to be a juicy pick by everybody to land with the Mets. I would kind of love to tap into your brain on that one, Joe, because I know you are very privy Uh, to the penalties that come with signing a Carlos Rodon. But looking ahead to the Mets rotation right now that we can comfortably say has multiple spots open. We know Carrasco is in that rotation. I've been banging the drum that David Peterson should be written into that number five spot right now, barring anything crazy this offseason. But when you look at the big three and the external market as well, Do you have a a sense of where this rotation ultimately will go? I've seen that you've actually been a believer that DeGrom's more likely to come back than the rest of the world appears to be, that has written his departure in ink already.
1: I am starting to hear from what little
0: places I
1: can hear things from, that the DeGrom departure is certainly, like you said, a bit overstated, and frankly... I think Jacob DeGrom ends up back in a Mets uniform. I think they find a common ground on a contract. I think Jake wants to be with the Mets. I think the Mets want Jake here. Um, It's just a matter of, does a team like Texas blow him out of the water with a gargantuan contract that the Mets don't want to match? In that case, that's why they met with Justin Verlander. Like The Mets are, I think it's a, a mix of negotiating with DeGrom, like, yeah, we very much want you, but you're going to have to play with us because there are other options. And then also they'd be irresponsible if they weren't looking at a plan B because maybe that offer does come. Maybe the Rangers say, we don't care about year five. We'll give DeGrom a five-year deal at near $40 million a year and just blow them away with money because they clearly want to expedite uh, their winning by hiring Bruce Bochy that, you know, we talked about that a bit last week. Uh, so I think DeGrom ultimately ends up back. And then I think Bassett finds a new home and maybe this is a bit bold. It wouldn't stun me if the Mets convinced Kodai Senga to come here as well. And I think uh, Senga looking in like the 15 to 16 year AAV type of contract uh, so they could they could fit that and Jacob Degrom, and I think that essentially fills out your rotation with Jake, Max, Senga, Carrasco, and Peterson.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely one way to do. I think we we know this, right? There's a blueprint with the Mets' rotation. There is going to be a frontline guy added this off season. The question is, is it what we know with Jacob Degrom? Is it Justin Verlander who feels like? The Max are signing all over again, to be quite honest with you. It feels like the same exact playbook. And then is it more of the wild card, the youngest of the three? In a way, in a funny way, the, the most expensive one in Rodon. And I don't mean by money per year, because Verlander and DeGrom will get paid more per year than Rodon. But I think he, call me crazy here, Joe, I think he not only will command the highest term, which is the commitment and the penalties that come with signing him. So that's, the in a weird way, the boldest one of the three. Unless there's a trade out there that that we did not see coming, and it sounds like Otani's not going anywhere, so we have stopped talking about that. Then Scherzer is in the rotation, of course. Can't miss him. Carrasco in the rotation, absolutely. Then you're almost looking for the, we've called it the in-between of Taiwan Walker and Chris Bassett, right? The chances of you having a Chris Bassett as your number three, are a little bit far, a bit of a reach right now. But can you get a player maybe better than Taiwan Walker? And I think that goes back to your point about Senga, right? Senga's a guy that people see the upside in because the stuff is crazy. He's got serious velocity on the fastball. I know you have mentioned that the slider does need work, but he has the variation of the splitter that can be effective. Basically, a high to low pitcher. And the Mets staff, we believe, we have a lot of belief in. Uh, to develop and get the most out of these guys for good reason at this point. So I'm with you. I think there'll be two significant acquisitions. I'm a little bit more on the fence. I, I With DeGrom, I've just had this feeling for a really, really long time he is going to end up on the Rangers. That only not, not only gets him back down south, not home, he's not from Texas, but back down south in a little bit, maybe a market that he's been chasing for a while that's just not new york in a sense in a place that might be a little bit more quiet for him although there'll be big expectations to win there after the money they've spent last year and if they pay a de grom and then i think the full court press would go to verlander i i really really do i think the thing that's intriguing with verlander is the fact of he probably fits the bridge deal that the mets would like to go on Rodon, as exciting as the idea of him is You're with Rodon for a long time, and he trickles into a different era of Mets baseball. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there's more risk. With Verlander, you're looking at him and Max, and you're saying, we won over 100 games last year. The postseason did not go our way. We learned our lesson where our deficiencies lie. And we're going to make a run at this thing again with two top dogs into the rotation. They're old. There's the gamble of that. But at the end of the day, after that two-year window is up, the money's off the books for the most part. So, you
1: know? Yeah, no, I think Verlander is clearly their second option. I don't think they would pivot directly to Rodon. You know, as we talked about the shorter term, higher AAV is their preferred model. Um, So I would say if DeGrom does get that kind of godfather offer from Texas, I would expect, like you said, a a big pursuit of Verlander to try to convince him to come with, I don't know, maybe a a two-year deal with a third-year option or something like that at a at a very high AAV. And then for the, the back end, we talk about Kodai Senga. He has a ton of suitors. So, you know, maybe he doesn't pick the Mets, but I know that he visited, it went well, and he they kind of check every box he's looking for. Um, but beyond that, they've talked to Andrew Heaney, who had a breakout year for the Dodgers. I'm skeptical. skeptical. Yeah, that one scares uh, me. Yeah, I'm skeptical. Home run Heaney? Yeah. <laughs> I'm skeptical of taking the guy out of the Dodger factory and saying, this is what he is now. So I'd be scared of that. But Jamison Tyone, who gave up a lot of home runs for the Yankees, but all in all pitched pretty well for them. Uh, I think they're just considering everything. We don't know what the trade market is yet. Is a Milwaukee arm available? Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff. Uh, so there's a lot of options. And it, it what is evident is the Mets are talking to every single pitcher to try to make this puzzle come together.
0: Yeah, I think they'll be, they'll explore the back. They're right. There'll be a backup plans for Senga. Absolutely. It's not just Senga or Bus or the rotation. I think that's what a lot of people are missing here during the chase for DeGrom's return, which I'm not ruling out. You obviously are not ruling out by any stretch of the means the Verlander backup plan and then finding that guy that's the flex number four. We don't really know if we'll pitch like a number three or a number five. And usually it tells you it'll be somewhere in the middle, the number four. And of course, the variable of Carrasco. So, the rotation is going to be fascinating to watch. Um, at the end of the day, I will I will go the all I will make a prediction. I will not sit on the fence. You are going with DeGrom back in this rotation. I will go with Verlander. And then ultimately, I'm with you. I actually think they're gonna close the deal on Senga. I really do. Uh, I think it's exciting that the Mets are exploring a market of baseball that they have ignored for far too long. And even if they don't get that deal done, it's going to be a new trend with this regime, with this ownership, especially with Epler here. That makes the future exciting. Let's get into the biggest fish of all. Maybe not Mets relevant, barring a big surprise, but absolutely a huge domino on the baseball free agency market that does have implications on the Mets because whatever team signs this player is probably going to empty the Brinks truck. They are not going to have a ton left in the tank, and that's Aaron Judge. We saw the video. uh, I believe it was tweeted out by a friend of the show, John Morosi. It was Aaron Judge in San Francisco, the smile and the wink that he he might have some business plans. He's home for Thanksgiving, whatever it is. I know his family does not they are not in the city of San Francisco, but the general area as a whole. I mean, Joe, let's just start with the, the big domino here in New York. Do you think Aaron Judge is coming back to the Yankees? I do. Uh, I I don't think he's going to get.
1: Enough of an offer to sway him away from the Yankees, and I think the Yankees have very, a lot of pressure, honestly, on them to huh. make this deal happen. Uh, think of back to spring training when they kind of lowballed him on a deal. I think they offer him like 220 million or, or something like that, and now they're looking at either a you let franchise player cap potential captain all that walk out the door, or you have to spend like a hundred million dollars more than you intended to six months ago. So they're kind of stuck there. And frankly, if Aaron judge walks, I don't know how the Yankees are replacing him in that lineup. I mean, they're, they're committed to the young shortstops. So I don't know how much, you know, pivoting to a Trey Turner makes a ton of sense for them. I mean, they obviously would have to pivot to something, uh, but I think they closed the deal with judge. I don't think judge wants to leave uh, I think they find a, a fair compromise. And, you know, it would take a team like the Giants really stepping out of line as far as, you know, an exorbitant offer, I think, to get Judge out of New York and specifically the Bronx.
0: I will further emphasize your point. Here's a great tweet from Paul Hembo. He said, Aaron Judge, after the All Star break, he batted 349. He got on base at a 502 clip and his slugging was 785. His Yankees teammates. After the all star break, batted 223, 292 on base. They were below 300 on base and a 360 slugging. That is the biggest carry I have ever seen on paper in baseball for the playoffs. It,
1: it is the greatest walk year in pro sports history, probably. And maybe it <laughs> will
0: never be repeated.
1: Yeah. And always
0: remember, he got booed in the playoffs. And I will. Go off that point. I don't think he's back to the Yankees. I don't. I think that he, Aaron Judge, you are a San Francisco Giant. I really do. I, maybe I'm playing too much into that video of the wink and the home written storyline, which I think is drastically overplayed. I don't think Aaron Judge has ill will towards the Yankees or their fans or even the contract offer that was, what, $215 before the year. I don't think there's anything like that. I think the Giants have held their cards close enough to the vest and are going to do everything they can to get Aaron Judge on the West Coast. I I know there's the report of the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers, you always need the Dodgers around. And and maybe the Dodgers do make that call because that's what the Dodgers do. They have a lot of money coming off the books with Turner, Bellinger, all these pitchers. But ultimately, I do not think Aaron Judge is back with the Yankees. And it's going to be fascinating to see the Yankees trickle effect of that happen because that does have a Mets factor. If Aaron Judge the 300 million plus contract that he's going to command is not on the Yankees payroll, do they make a play for their outfield for Brandon Nimmo? Do they we saw they requested the medicals for Jacob DeGrom? Do they try to pair up a super rotation at the top with Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom? Uh one pitcher that's been, you know, really really awesome in New York for a long time, another that has underachieved but is really really good. So that's why I bring that up to say, if you're a Mets fan, do you just want Aaron judge back on the Yankees? So you don't have to worry about the poaching else uh, on your own team.
1: You might. And conversely, uh, if Aaron judge signs with the Yankees, that money that San Francisco wanted to spend on Aaron judge is now available. Maybe they're pursuing Nemo. Uh, I, I, that's a good question. Could you stomach Nemo in San Francisco, which is your league, but, not in the same town more than stomaching him, maybe playing center or left field for the Yankees. That's uh, an interesting question for Met fans to think about. But yeah, I think Judge ends up back in New York. Um, You don't. And fortunately, we will play these back at some point. So um, we'll know.
0: (laughs) So we'll know. We will absolutely know. All right. Here's one. The stakes could not go from all the way up here to all the way down here. But you know what? It does matter. And it matters a lot for the Mets. Will anyone from this group be in the Mets bullpen in 2023? Adam Ottavino, Seth Lugo, Trevor May. I, Joe, I am of the belief, and I've been this way for a long time, it will be Ottavino of the three. Where do you stand?
1: I would say, if any of them, it's Ottavino, and I wouldn't even bank on that to be honest. I think Trevor May tweeted on Monday something like he loved saying, "Let's go Mets after games," and you know, thank Mets fans for embracing him and stuff. That's fun. But the team hasn't
0: called me for three weeks.
1: Right. Yeah. So that feels like a, uh, you know, May is going to move on to a different opportunity. Seth Lugo uh, seems to have a pretty robust market. Even there's rumors that there may be a team or two that could be willing to grant him his longtime wish of being a starting pitcher. And I don't know how that'll work out. But I would say a team, if he were to be a starter, Tampa Bay. Seems like that makes a ton of sense where they aren't a team that pushes their pitchers to you know 100 pitches and 200 innings. Like Lugo could be a quote unquote starter but work four innings and then you know get out of the game. Uh, Adovino is the one that I think you have a shot. He's got the local ties, he's older in you know age, so he's not probably pursuing a super long term deal. Though you wonder if the Mets want to go two years, I think he's warranted. He's warranted that, which you know, maybe Otavino's a Aaron Loop type contract. You know, two years 18, two years nineteen. So I don't know if the Mets want to go there, but it's either going to be, I think, Otavino or none of the three.
0: I'm with you. I think the the home aspect to me does matter for Otavino at this point of his career. He's in his late 30s. He's enjoyed a lot of success here, not just in a Met uniform, but I, I thought he was a fine Yankee. I know Yankees fans did not. Uh, Love the end of his run there, but I think Ottavino is a guy that makes a lot of sense to come back. So, all right. Reminder, you're listening to the Mets Pod. Subscribe to the Mets Pod at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. And one more reminder that the Mets Pod will be doing a live episode at this year's Queens Baseball Convention presented by SMY. Saturday, December 3rd at the Four Points by Sheridan and Flushing. Come see us as well as other awesome panels, plus autograph and Q&A sessions with special guest Bartolo Colon. All right, Dickey, and Howard Johnson. Tickets are on sale now. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit queensbaseballconvention.com. Joe, time for the mailbag. And we have a ton of questions, like truly floored at this point. Uh, how many people send creative questions or tons of different questions? Really, really appreciate it. So we'll start right here. This one from Jordan. He asked, out of the non-tendered players from last week, which I'll throw in. We didn't mention this. Dom Smith, non-tendered by the Mets. Not a huge surprise there, but uh, wishing Dom the best uh, for a fresh start elsewhere. Jordan also said, who do you see as interesting options for the Mets to look to for depth out of those non-tenders, Joe?
1: I mean, Cody Bellinger is the one that I The headliner, yeah. Yeah, he's the headliner. He jumps off the page. If Brandon Nemo's going to leave, Bellinger feels like, albeit a risk, it's a one-year risk, And he's a guy that could potentially take that center field job. And, you know, if that shoulder is indeed improved, he could provide a bit of that power boost that we're looking for. I mean, this is a guy that's hit over 30 home runs in a season. So the power's there. It's just a matter of if his shoulder
0: is good anymore. Yeah, that's definitely the headline one. I think that, you know, and the Mets also did make a move with the Marlins um, for players that got DFA would as well. So I think that, I know Jeff Brigham is somebody that will be expected to at least compete for a spot in the Mets bullpen, Joe. I mean, when you look at him last year in that bullpen, he's somebody that you get in spring training, you see what he can do. If he's effective, hold hold down a role. And then, of course, um, Hernandez as well, who we've seen start for a while right now. He might be more of the the illustrious role we always talk about, the seventh man of the rotation where They pitch a lot sooner than you want them to every single year. So don't overlook that mini trade with the Marlins as teams look to move on from players.
1: The Mets took advantage of having their open 40 man roster space to attack waivers and designate for assignment. And what is very key, which is something that they're looking for is they want arms that have appeared in the big leagues or close to it. And they want arms that have minor league options and Eliezer Hernandez has minor league options. Jeff Brigham does. Uh, Steven Ridings and Taylor Salcedo, who we talked about last week, they have minor league options. And William Woods is an interesting one to watch. Um, He battled through some injury stuff with Atlanta. But if you look at Baseball America and MLB Pipeline, he was a top 25 prospect in their system. Uh, He's touched 99, 100 miles an hour in the past. So they're grabbing just guys that throw hard, have options, and – uh just could add depth to the bottom of the 40 man roster. I think it's definitely been a priority for them to improve the floor of their 40 man roster. And they'll obviously improve the ceiling when we talk about DeGrom and Verlander and, and guys like that on the top of
0: the free agent market. And Hernandez, of course, a guy he was 25 during the shortened season in 2020. He made six starts, pitched to a 316 ERA, was striking out 12 batters over nine innings, and he's just not found that form since, ultimately struggling last year. So kind of that Reclamation project for the Mets, a guy still in his 20s. He'll be 27 or 28 this year. Uh, He'll turn 28 during the season. Try to figure out what you can do with his stuff, get some innings out of him. Maybe that Trevor Williams role that we talk about all the time, potential there as well. So they're quiet moves by the Mets, but those are ones that could ultimately end up being really, really important, not in April or May, but maybe in the thick of July. This one from Rick. He asked, is a Conforto reunion a realistic idea to get some cheap pop in the lineup? I can't imagine he's pulling that much interest to drive up his price after missing all of last year.
1: He makes it's sense, not clearly. It's not, it's, not, it's not a crazy thought. I wonder if push came to shove. Would Conforto prefer to go to a more friendly ballpark for his bounce backs. I think it's evident he's taking a one-year deal somewhere. Um, and Bellinger is kind of the same conversation. Uh, our pal, John Morosi talked about on MLB network. Could he pursue a one-year deal with maybe a not that good team that has, you know, a, a hitting friendly ballpark perform and then get traded to a contender at the deadline that's and then point. not be, and then not be eligible for the qualifying offer because they got traded. Um, but Conforto turned down the qualifying offer. So that half doesn't apply to him. I would imagine he would be probably pursuing a more friendly ballpark uh, though. City Field's right field wall is coming in. So we'll try right. uh, eight feet, we'll, eight feet or so. Yeah. So that's we'll a, see. No joke. So we'll, we'll see what comes of that, but no Conforto is not a crazy thought. I think, They've spoken to him. Uh, I believe that was Mike Puma at the Post reported that a couple weeks back. So, um, yeah, I think it's a possibility, but the Mets are keeping
0: everything on the table. Conforto still has a lot of relationships in that clubhouse where, Mm -hmm. you know, if the money's even, sometimes you just like going where you're comfortable and and a place where, once again, there would be a role for Conforto. Marte has to play center. The Mets are going to need a corner outfield. The Mets still need DH help. The Mets... It, it, it just all has this trickle effect where nothing like that should be off the table. You and I always emphasize this. We have since you and I started podcasting together. When you have a lot of cash, because there's no cap space in baseball, there's the luxury tax threshold and all those things, but when you have a lot of cash, an owner that the money is there to be handed to up front, you can do things in the one-year market that 80% plus other teams can't. They can't. So... I think when you look at it like that, that's an area where the Bellinger, Conforto, guys like that, the Mets can fill a hole, spend a little more on that up front and then have no repercussions after the season. So we'll see where they go um, with that. This one from our old friend, Steve Miller. I really I really like this question because this is an angle we never take, Joe. Steve says, is there a player you would be fearful of the Mets signing, someone who you think would command a big contract? and likely not live up to it. Joe, can I guess yours? Yeah, I guarantee you have it. Carlos Rodon. Yeah, 100%. What are the penalties, for the people that don't know at home, what are the penalties for signing Rodon?
1: Yeah, because the Mets exceeded uh, the luxury tax, uh, signing a player that got a qualifying offer will cost them their second highest selection and their fifth highest selection in the 2023 draft, as well as a million dollars of international bonus money, um, For the Mets, their second highest is obviously a second round. Uh, Their fifth highest is actually their fourth round pick because they didn't sign third rounder Brandon Sproat from the 2022 draft. Uh, So it's a big price to pay in draft pick capital, international bonus pool, and a long term five, six, who knows, seven year contract for the youngest arm at at big money. So uh, there's a lot there. I would hope the Mets could find a way to close Jacob DeGrom or Justin Verlander instead.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that's that's it's all fair points. We love the idea of what Rodon is because what he's done the last two years, and the fact that he's younger than Verlander and Degrom. But you need the context of that he's been hurt a lot. He's very very expensive long term. He's very very expensive short term. So there's just that fine balance of always trying to eliminate risk. To not repeat your answer, I think for me, it's the pitching market that they have to explore if they don't get Senga. And Senga has a ton of risk. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be blind to that, but I don't want the Mets to miss on a Senga player and then pivot to that Heaney market that we talked about, that you're getting the car wash from the Dodgers and buying into it. And you give a guy like that a three-year deal. That's nothing to laugh at. I mean, he's 31. So I, Call me crazy. I think he can get a three-year deal. We'll see. Maybe it's two and an option. I, Heaney's just a guy that would really, really scare me because I think that when you saw what happened with the Yankees, you look at the full sample size of his career, besides the one splash with the Dodgers, it feels like the kind of guy that you're going, wow, not how do we how do we use this guy on the back end of our rotation? And, and there's a lot of players like Heaney in that market that scare me. Look at Steven Matz last year. It's almost the same example of a sense that that was a player the Mets wanted to fill out the back end of their or middle of their rotation. matt has got bombed in St. Louis. He pitched to a 5'25 to Uh, You know, actually the home runs weren't even the biggest issue of it. Injuries. Once again, he pitched 48 innings. How many times have we kind of seen that problem with Mats? So I think that's the market that I'm fearful of because they were almost so spoiled by it last year by hitting on the Chris Bassett trade until the playoffs aside, Scherzer signing was phenomenal. Taiwan Walker was an excellent value once again, and Carlos Carrasco back, you know, bounced back. So I worry about, and it's important, the back end of the rotation, those guys make the same starts as the front end. So that's the one where I'm always a little fearful of, of spending big on a guy just because you feel like you have to.
1: I'll say this, they're paying an analytics team of more than 30 people a lot of money. To not find miss those, find
0: Taiwan Walker. Find our yes. new Taiwan Walker, and that's on them. You're you're absolutely right. It's a really really good point, and something that makes the good teams great, uh and the mediocre teams really really good. Look at how the Rays do it every single year. So, with that, Joe, another episode in the books for the off season. Uh, I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. We appreciate everybody that continues to listen to the show, even when baseball isn't being played. We always joke, and it's not really a joke. This show might even be better when baseball is not being played because at heart, Joe is a baseball scouting, team-building guy. My roots are in football team-building. It all comes together on this show. We have a lot of fun with it. But Joe, closing thoughts as we head into Thanksgiving and realistically have a very eventful December ahead of us for the Mets pod. Yeah,
1: I'd like to echo Happy Thanksgiving, everyone Enjoy the time with your family, friends Everything you do And yeah, get ready Because, you know, we're coming to the Queens Baseball Convention uh, In early December And the winter meetings are coming up So there's a lot happening uh, In the Mets world Despite it being kind of a lull Around the Thanksgiving holiday I think shortly after this holiday ends You're going to
0: see quite a bit of activity And obviously the winter meetings are Always nice Reminder to subscribe to the Mets Pod at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll catch you next week.